0: Hey everyone, welcome back to Building the Buckeyes. I'm your host, Andrew Lind, and I'm once again joined by SIL American Director of Recruiting, John Garcia, who is currently on hand for the Overtime 7-on-7
1: Tournament out in Las Vegas. I imagine you're enjoying yourself out there. Yeah, I mean, it's a different kind of heat, though. I'm from Miami, so I'm used to to tropical weather, but this dry heat is... uh, It's a little different, as they say. But other than that, yeah, it's a great time. Great food, great people and a great uh, day one so far. Really uh, well-run tournament and and kind of refreshing. You know, we don't get a whole lot of that during the offseason, especially since some of the marquee events have gone away, right? You know, IMG's big 7-on-7 is no more. Um, The opening is no more for the most part. So uh, Elite 11 in this is is probably going to be the standard uh, going forward. Future 50 is really good as well. But in terms of the overall talent you know this has about as much or more than than any event we get to track during the offices
0: yeah I'm really disappointed that the opening isn't really the premier thing anymore I know back when that was it at, at the Nike headquarters out in Oregon like that was the thing and you know then yeah. it moved down to Dallas and it's just kind of you know trailed off a little bit here so it's cool to see you know these different
1: events and all these these top players being able to get together again Absolutely. Uh, You you like to see the competitiveness too, right? A lot of these guys, I mean, some that we'll talk about, these are SI 99 recruits. These are all American recruits. uh, So they don't have to do this. Uh, So I do think it's really cool to see them wanting to get in uh, for a lot of these guys, you know, one last seven on seven tournament before. You know, that that part of, of their high school career is over. So uh, it, it is really cool to see Cam Newton's out here, uh, former NFL player Torrey Smith has a team out here. Uh, it's, it's got a lot of hype around it. So it, it's been fun.
0: Yeah. And if you look at pretty much the rosters of, of everybody that's out there, you know, there's pretty much Ohio State targets all over the place one of them that I really want to focus on is wide receiver Carnell Tate who's out there with the South Florida Express team that you know we've become really familiar with as of late because of the number of commitments that that Ohio State has that that are on that team and I know he's really close to making his college decision perhaps in the next week or two so I really wanted to just get your thoughts on that situation as he you know has really narrowed it down to Ohio State and Tennessee.
1: Yeah, I mean, unofficially, right? I mean, uh, last night he did say that it's the same four schools, but he also said privately he knows where he's headed. So in, in talking to him and, and others around college football, it certainly feels like it's, you know, home versus heart kind of deal, right? Uh, Ohio State, the hometown school or the home area school with him being from Chicago, childhood dream school, all that stuff. Uh, and of course, the best developing program in the country at that position, maybe, you know, maybe Alabama fans won't like that, but it's close, either way between the two um, and then Tennessee, which has really been the the late riser uh, the, the school that in the last, I would say six months has, has really, you know, pushed for Carnell the most. They've got him on campus. The most, uh, he's obviously getting close to Nico Yamaliwa, the quarterback uh, committed to Tennessee who will be out here today uh, as well. So more time for them to, to reconnect, although they're not playing on the same uh, seven on team. Uh, so, yeah, it's really feels like it's between those two and talking to carnell last night he said look you know i i know where i'm going it's the school that's going to develop me uh, a school that that feels comfortable and and really you could spin those quotes to both of these programs right because you know l- over the long-standing period of time he's he's been at ohio state plenty uh, and obviously the development there again is, is second to none and then at tennessee you know with with josh heupel and that offense what they showed in year one last year there's certainly a lot of a growing expectation in Knoxville, and, and we know they're recruiting at a higher clip nationally now. Uh, so he's he's become quite comfortable in Knoxville all the same. So it, it really does feel like it's between these two, and, and he said just he's waiting on the, the edit to be done. Uh, so he's got a commitment video that I guess he's started to shoot. Maybe he's got to get some more clips. He certainly the first play of their tournament yesterday. He, he could add another highlight to it. He just uh, ran a go route uh, for an easy touchdown, actually just tweeted it out. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, Carnell's just, just waiting for that to be wrapped up. Uh, he says no more traditional visits. He says no more anything, really. I mean, it's just about uh, going public with this decision that he's already made internally. And I think that's the key here in terms of trying to figure out where he's going. I think that probably makes LSU and Notre Dame fans feel like they're on the outside looking in. Uh, as finalists at this point so yeah I'd I'd be surprised if it if it was anyone other than Ohio State of Tennessee you had
0: mentioned that development is really the the key for him but I found that interesting that earlier this week he tweeted that you know you can go and be a first round pick anywhere it's kind of cool to see that confidence from a kid to say hey it doesn't matter where I'm gonna go either place he feels like he's gonna get to go to the NFL so what do you think like kind of then makes that that decision for him or that difference for him
1: I think it's the comfort I think it's it's the people um I certainly think the relationships he's fostered with the Brian Hartlines of the world and the Josh Heupers of the world will, will certainly play into that uh, Carnell's a very he's like a reserved kid you know uh, receivers have a bit of a bad rap based on their personality traits right there's you know the diva moniker gets thrown on them quite a bit and I think you know he he is more internal with, with his confidence and, and with how he carries himself as opposed to maybe Brandon Innes, his you know, another Ohio state targeted seven on seven teammate who will let you know about it when he beats you one-on-one uh, and, and he did so again last night. So uh, I think Carnell's is a little bit more reserved, a little bit more intricate in, in how he wants to project. Uh, and I do think that that lines right up with his desire to really just be comfortable uh, and really, focus on the people that that he's going to be around um, wh- wherever he goes to school. And, and again, just like you could spin some of these other comments to both of these programs, I think you could do that with that desire for people as well, right? I mean, the, the Tennessee fan base has certainly rallied around Carnell um, in a major way. And that's one of those fan bases that it matters when that happens, right? You know, kids certainly feel that. That was big. in Nico, the quarterback, verbally committing to Tennessee over – Alabama, Georgia, and Oregon, where where he has all these ties uh, out west. So I do think that carries over into Carnell. He has talked about wanting to pair with a major quarterback recruit, and and he's the closest to Dante Moore, who who did say last night when I talked to Dante that Ohio State was still in it. Uh, so technically, you know that could be a thing still. But the second quarterback he's closest to is is uh, Nico uh, Arch Manning would be third, but those schools you know don't overlap with Arch's final three. So, you know, I do think that matters as well. He's played with Dante. He's played with Nico uh, at, at different points during his career. So I think that comfort, the chemistry he's trying to build with both of them uh, could certainly resonate uh, down the line. Um, but, you know, I, I, don't think, I don't think that this is anything we can read too much into all at the same time because there, there are always other factors at play. Um, again, you know, the competition at Ohio State, is as much as, as you could possibly imagine at that position. Not not quite the same at Tennessee, although that profile is rising out there. And then how do other things factor in, right? Uh geography, NIL, there, there's so many other elements to potentially focus on with Carnell Tate. So again, you start to get into all those categories and you can start pushing this thing one way or the other. So I, I just think we're not going to get a whole lot else, at least publicly from Carnell before he's ready to pop and uh, at least it's going to be soon, right? He says in the next week or two. So I believe he will be pledged before the, the month of June wraps up. And I did ask him about his plans after the commitment. And I think that's what's interesting, Andrew. He he said he really is kind of tired with the process. Not, not that he's overwhelmed or anything, having been an elite kid for, for many years, but I do think he's, you know, he's taken all the visits. He's seen what, he, what he's needed to see. So he did say, that after he commits you know he is planning on truly shutting it down no no visits elsewhere any of that stuff which i thought was interesting cuz he only took two official visits during the process uh, so theoretically he could take up to three more uh, after he verbally commits uh, although again he does not as of today plan on taking those trips that's kind of something that i've gathered over the last you know month or
0: so is that you can just tell that that he's really had his fill of visits. You know, he's been to Ohio State a do- or half a dozen times, been to Notre Dame half a dozen times. He's probably pushing double-digit visits to Tennessee by this point. Took an official to LSU, took the official to Tennessee. So I know that, you know, eventually that kind of weighs on you to the point that you're like, okay, I, I, I figured out what I want. I'm ready to move forward and, and really take it to that next level. And, you know, with the fact that he hasn't taken the Ohio State official visit, say he does commit you know, over the next couple of weeks. And then that would allow him to maybe come for a game this fall, you know, on Ohio state's dime. And then really that's it before you sign. So it'll be really interesting to see how that kind of
1: unfolds. Yeah, of course. You know, he, obviously if you commit to Ohio state and that visit hasn't been taken officially, you're you're certainly expecting to, to see him take that trip. But yeah, in terms of those kind of trips to learn about a program or dig into, you know, what, what that program could offer, yeah, I think you said it best. He's had his fill to this point, um and honestly, he didn't really want to talk to a lot of reporters uh, out here. you know I think he's had his fill with a lot of ang- angles and elements of this process, and who could blame him? You know he's an i m g kid number one receiver in the country candidate uh for several years came up in Chicago and wasn't even like you know he wasn't like a sleeper when he before he got to i m g or anything, so I, I think he's He's one of these prospects that's gone through it for many years, which is not common in college football recruiting. For sure. And, you know, I want to shift gears a little bit to the big visit weekend
0: that Ohio State is having. They have six official visitors this weekend, headlined by California defensive lineman Mateo Uyangalale. Um, And I just saw a picture of him on his visit. And really, I I mean, he looks like an NFL player in a high schooler's body, which, you know, it's, it's pretty crazy to think what, you know, Larry Johnson could do with somebody like that. So what do you think really that the Buckeyes
1: and Johnson have to do this weekend to maybe jump to the top of his list? I think, you know, with it being an official visit to Columbus, I think that uh, they're going to be able to sit down and, and really go through where he fits best. And I think for Mateo, that is important because this is a two-way player who's played a lot of tight end in high school, and, and he might play some more as a senior out at St. John's Bosco. But you know, he's really this off season begun to transition and fully focus on defense for the first time. So I think the glitz and glam elements, he's, he's received a lot of those. And again, like Carnell Tate, you know, he's been a name since he was a freshman or or sophomore at the high school level. Um, So all that stuff, you know, he's, he's checked those boxes. He's been to Ohio state. He's been to all these schools before, but I think with him, making that declaration like, hey, I'm, I'm going to be a defensive lineman at the next level, which is the right choice, by the way, and even though he was a pretty good tight end. I think the intricacies of sitting down with uh, uh, Larry Johnson and really, you know, getting on the whiteboard and digging into the schematics and digging into the fit where he might be as a freshman versus later on uh, and then getting uh, kind of the uh, reciprocative element from the current players, right? Uh, certainly JT, some of these other West Coast guys that Ohio State has been able to bring in uh, that could help resonate uh, with Mateo I I think that would help Uh, and I don't believe there's another interior type uh, that that is visiting although um, you know I know there's another edge rusher but in terms of the the exact position Mateo is going to play I think it could kind of be all about him from Johnson's perspective on the visit weekend I think that would be big too because uh, again when you've made so many visits and you've got every top school in the country after you like Mateo does you know it's it's Clemson where his brother plays uh, USC is is certainly uh, doing well among uh, the in-state schools uh, Oregon is is very high on his list as well and then and Bam is kind of lurking to a degree that's a, that's a heck of a list uh, to, to overcome for any of the schools that are contending for him so when you start to get into the separators uh, I think the Larry Johnson angle just like we talked about with Brian Hartline, that angle is tough to beat by itself. So if you hammer that part home and really dig into what it looks like, if Mateo picks Ohio State, I do think those elements could help because the, again, the glitz, the glam, the graphics, the, you know, the love, as, as the kids say, from all these programs is, has been at a 10 for a long time uh, for Lalay. and that's not something that that most recruits deal with. So you start, you have to start to focus on some of the other things thereafter. So I think it's, it's critical to, to get official visits out of kids like this, because you can really sell it with a pretty intimate setting over the next 48 hours, because there's not a whole lot else going on, right? You know, there's some one day camps and that's kind of it. So Ryan Day, Larry Johnson, everybody is, is going to be all hands on deck towards recruiting. And I, I think it's hard to project a bigger, you know, a, but the higher profile recruit on campus than, than Mateo.
0: One thing that Ohio State did last year, and I'm glad that you had mentioned JT2 because when they welcomed him for his official visit, you know, most of the staff actually went to the airport and presented him and his family with a LA, lay, you know, kind of they were all wearing Hawaiian t-shirts and you know, just kind of that that welcoming atmosphere and doing something a little bit different. And I've actually already seen that they've done something with Mateo this weekend that was kind of you know, in that more intimate way that you had mentioned. And they, they actually, you know, there's all kinds of snacks and those kind of things in, a, in an official visitor's room. You know, there's the, the cookie cakes, those kind of things. But Ohio State actually brought these chips that his dad, they're called twisties, that his dad used to eat back when he was on the island of Samoa. So, you know, it's those kind of things that Ohio State really has, you know, done in an intimate way that that could ultimately make a difference and show, hey, you know, maybe We don't, we're not a school that just cares about you as a football player, but we're interested in getting to know you and connecting with you and your family and those things on, on that more intimate level.
1: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 seven in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bank dot slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 100%. Look, the Polynesian culture in general is, is incredibly family oriented, thorough, um, you know, and, and detailed. So um, it, American Samoa, of course, is is lined right within that culture, and and yeah, it, the Uyanga wear it on their sleeves, right? You know, from from their dad, uh, Big Dave, as he's known uh, to, to the kids. You know, that's something that's very important, and I think perception always just assumes that, hey, you know, the West Coast schools are going to be better with that stuff. Uh, USC, Oregon, etc., because geogra- geographically they're just closer. But nothing's really close to, to some of those islands if you really look at it. So e- everybody should be on a level playing field relative to selling the openness and inclusivity and and desire to learn more about that Polynesian culture. So that that is an excellent point you bring up, Andrew. Um, those little things matter. Uh, There's there no doubt about it when you're looking for. Your home um, and and culture and family is that important? Um, and again, look, you're competing against a program that already has a young lay on campus in, in Clemson. Although you know, if he has a great year, they won't play together. Um, you know, that's something that that has to be. That it really can't be understated. It has to be very clear. Um, so again, that's why I think. Uh, some prospects from that area of the world, or prospects who have family roots in that area of the world, already on campus at, at OSU certainly helps. Um, but but yeah, the, these coaches know, know what they're doing. This is why Ohio State's been able to recruit as nationally as any program in America. I think them in Alabama and Georgia's becoming that third program that can just kind of go anywhere and compete. And you can't do that without a open-minded understanding of the different types of athletes you're going to pursue, right? Culturally, geographically, economically, and academically. I mean, really any subcategory you want to define anybody with, you've got to be able to embrace or pursue knowledge and potentially embracing that element. So a great point by you and and very important element uh, to recruiting. You know, that's something that we probably don't talk about enough, but Ohio State, again, is ahead of the curve as usual with things like that. I'd say that Ohio State has actually done a really good job in
0: welcoming players who historically haven't come to Ohio State. You know, the, it goes back to, uh, they had Brandon Bowen, the offensive lineman, uh, Vamahi, who's a current offensive lineman, Haskell Garrett, former defensive tackle, Tommy Togiai, defensive tackle. Um, you know, you have uh, Pele EA Naote-Ote, uh, linebacker, and then also Dylan Rayola, who is the future quarterback commit. You know they all have Polynesian ancestry, and you know it's it's really just becoming kind of a theme for Ohio State to to know exactly what it takes to to welcome these
1: kind of players into into the program. One hundred percent, and that is something that will continue to attract uh, talent. Where that is important, you know that culture is important in their college. Experience so obviously the more you you grab from from any subculture or socioeconomic background, uh, yeah, the the higher the chances are you're going to continue to at least be an option uh, for for prospects who value that uh, beyond uh, you know great talent and uh, wanting to win games on Saturdays, etc.
0: You know, another key official visitor this weekend is actually Texas quarterback Austin Novasad who has been committed to Baylor since December, but he recently landed an offer from the Buckeyes during a one-day camp where he worked out with Ryan Day and Corey Dennis. And really, I think he's probably the staff's best chance at landing a quarterback this cycle, so I wouldn't be surprised if he flips his pledge following the visit. You know, what kind of
1: player would the Buckeyes be getting if that is what happens? Yeah, that would be a big deal um, if it happens, because Novosad's kind of a emerging quarterback talent in the state of texas you know he's a guy who was really solid as a sophomore um you know incredibly productive uh, but it was limited uh to, to just seven or eight games and then as a junior last fall it really broke out uh you're, you're talking uh, over three thousand yards 40 touchdowns uh showed some decent uh, mobility as well just an incredibly accurate and efficient quarterback uh who puts up big numbers in texas i mean who doesn't want that on their roster uh he, he's a guy who's uh, quietly confident you know similar to to a carnell t- type uh and i do think that there's a reason he went up there to work out for ohio state you know this is a kid who has been getting offers kind of on the regular since that verbal commitment to baylor stanford has come in ohio state other schools have come in and many others are in communication kind of on the low so it's it's no secret that he's very good and that other programs feel like shooting their shot despite that Baylor commitment, but he hasn't visited any other than Ohio State, uh, and now he's, he's making a return trip for an official visit. Now, you know, he does say, you know talking to him yesterday a little bit he he does say that he is taking the official to Baylor the following week, and, and then he's going to the elite eleven that that next week to, to wrap up the month of June. so I'd be a little surprised if he flipped you know, while he was on the trip or even in the week after, because that Baylor official is set Uh, and look culturally again, going back to that, he loves what Dave Aranda is doing at Baylor. He's been recruiting his tail off for the bears who have built uh, a relatively nice 2023 class to date. Obviously, you know, that's an in-state school for him. Uh, You know, Waco to dripping Springs isn't incredibly far. Uh, So it it is kind of like we said about Cardinal Tate. It's like, the hometown local option that has always been there or the new one that is really captivating and capturing your attention, you know, with with Ohio state being the Tennessee in this conversation, uh, you know, relative to those two. Uh, So I do, I do wonder, you know, how that visit structure looks and how he handles it going through the rest of the month of June. But but like I said, there's a reason he went up there to work out um, and, and there's a reason he's coming back, what, like 10 days later. Uh, that, that is a very big deal for, for OSU, and, and it would be important if, if they could flip him, because like you said, probably the best chance you got to grab a quarterback, because you, you just offered Brock Glenn from Tennessee, he's taking an official to FSU this weekend, he's still debating potentially taking another one next weekend, so obviously more room to to work for Ohio State if they're going to get him on campus, which is really important to him. Uh, And then he, you know, he wants to be committed going into the Elite 11 as well. So these are guys that this month really want to be done with the process. So uh, I think the ball is certainly in Ohio State's court in Austin Novosad's case. And it could become the same for Brock Glenn. Uh, And then there's Dante Moore, right? I mean, there's a whole lot of unknown around Dante. We spoke to him last night as well. He did mention Ohio State was still a candidate, as, as we said, but there's a lot of schools that are in that position, right? Notre Dame, Michigan, LSU, Miami, Oregon. I mean, he's he's got a boatload of programs still on him, and, and he's got only one visit planned in the near future. That's Texas A&M next weekend. And then there's really no plans for the rest of June. He's got the Elite 11 as well. And then July is a dead period for most of it. So, you know, Dante Moore is going to take his time And I think August is probably the earliest we could see something definitive uh, with with him. And, you know, he's still in school, which is, you know, something important to note uh, with with prospects in that area relative to others who are enjoying the summer and able to make all these trips really without having to to schedule much logistically. So anyway, yes, going back to what you said, Novosad looks like the clearest path towards a quarterback uh, for OSU in 2023. It's basically Baylor, in OSU, um, Stanford could get a visit down the line, and maybe that becomes a factor, or one of the other schools that are talking to him jumps in, and maybe that's a factor later in the cycle, uh, but right now, it looks like it's, it's sticking with Baylor or flipping to Ohio State for, uh, again, kind of the, the fastest rising quarterback uh, in the country in Austin-Noveston.
0: You know, we, we often talk about things from the school's perspective, but I don't think that we, we always, like, look at it from the, the prospect's perspective. Because when it comes to, to Austin, you know, he's been committed to Baylor, been building this class for a while now. And, and Baylor is, you know, an up and coming program. You, know, you can look at it and say, OK, well, I want to be a part of that. I want to continue that. And I want to be the guy, you know, from the beginning. And then when you have Ohio State, you know, once he gets there, CJ Stroud will be gone because he's undoubtedly going to the NFL's, uh, you know, number one or number two overall pick in next year's draft. But then you still have Kyle McCord and Devin Brown on the roster next year. And then we have Rayola, as, as I had mentioned earlier, coming in a year after him. So, you know, there's always that, that maybe that fear of, okay, well, if I go to Ohio State, I'm going to have to sit, or then I'm going to have to wait my turn, and maybe I don't get to be the guy on a certain timeline. So I think that he has two very different paths that he can go down, and he's going to have to decide which one he
1: wants to take. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, look, Baylor, Baylor's had some turnover in that quarterback room, you know, Gary Bohannon moved on. Uh, Blake Shapin will be their guy in, in 2022, and uh, he's got some eligibility left, but, you know, he's he's a really good passer as well, so you, you wonder if he's potentially, you know, positioning himself to move on, but even if he doesn't, there are some other arms on that Baylor roster. Kyron Drones, a fellow Elite 11 quarterback, is still there uh, as well, but yeah, certainly talent-wise, not as much arm talent and or volume of talent as as what he would be up against At in Ohio State, you know, I I think there's no doubt about that. And look, quarterback is one of those positions where that really matters. You know, even talking to Dante Moore to bring it back there. He said, yeah, you know, I I do keep an eye on what's going on with with my 2023 guys. Uh, He, you know, 2024 as well, right? CJ Carr just committed to Notre Dame and there's been a lot of speculation on how that could potentially impact Dante. uh, For the record, he said it doesn't impact him at all, but he did admit, yeah, I got to keep an eye on, you know, who's there, who might be leaving, who, who is leaving for sure. Uh, So, you know, I think that's for, for both of these guys, those could be factors as to why this process is kind of far from over, right? There's still a lot to be said. And I know from Dante's perspective in particular, there is some interest in seeing how the season at least begins for some of these programs, because in his case, he's looking at a lot of coaching staffs under new administration, right? Notre Dame, LSU, Oregon, Miami, Um, all those are are in year one of their current head coach. So I do think there's some desire to see how that shakes out because of course, as you know, Andrew, that could impact the transfer portal and, and who's really there when, when some of these, when some of these quarterbacks would theoretically enroll at their school of choice, there's still, you know, even position battles going on at some of those schools for Dante. So yeah, quarterbacks at the highest of levels are always looking around. So the Arch Mannings, the Dante Moores of the world kind of know what, what they're up against. Uh, so uh, Austin Novosad being a smart kid as well, you would understand why that would be important for him in that same light. I just want to wrap up by kind of asking you a hypothetical question. Uh, surrounding
0: Nova Sad and if if he does end up committing to Ohio State or flipping to Ohio State within the next couple of weeks you know would you, would you say that there are any schools that may end up having you know a chance to make it interesting for Ohio State late in the process because we still are six months away from the early signing period and you know say Texas A&M isn't able to find a quarterback in the next couple months or Texas misses out on Arch Manning or something along those lines would those schools get involved and make it interesting for Ohio State?
1: I mean, it's possible, uh, certainly. Uh, we've seen, look, Texas a and ms already dealt with the decommitment in this cycle, and, and they've tried to reshuffle there. Um, you know, Jaden Rashad is high on their board. He's committing in eight days. So they're going to know their fate there. Uh, Dante Moore, obviously, involved with, with A&M. Um, and in Texas hasn't really publicly been in on any other quarterback. Uh, so if they don't get arch, uh, who also has a kind of fluid timeline, although there is a little bit of buzz that maybe he speeds it up after the these next two weekends when he's done with officials, then yeah, I mean, he's the fastest rising quarterback in the state of Texas, so you would certainly understand if if texas uh, or texas a and m jumped in on on an Austin oversaw, but again, I don't know how if if he even if he is going to flip. Let's say since we're playing hypotheticals, why he wouldn't do it right now? In my mind, I, I think he would wait. Uh, again, he's got the Baylor ov, then he's got the Elite Eleven, and then the dead period. So there's there's a lot of kind of built in um, immobilization, if you will, with with what Austin's got going on after the month of June. Uh, so I do think that there's a potential opportunity for him to really sit down and take his time with this thing, because if we're talking about him being maybe Ohio state's best chance at a 2023 quarterback, then he certainly knows that, you know, he's got some leverage in this conversation as well. And I do think that a kid like that, uh, you know, again, talking to him, um, I do think a kid like that, if he does change his mind, it will be once. And that's it. I don't think uh, there's a situation where, Novosad flips from Baylor to OSU and then Texas or Texas A&M gets involved. And then that's potentially on the table as well. I I think it's, it's going to be an either, or to me, it's just a matter of can anyone else factor into that or besides Ohio state, right? So sticking with Baylor or going somewhere else, can Stanford or one of these other schools begin to join Ohio state in that conversation right now? I would guess no. uh, But, but again, if, if he's, if he doesn't flip in the next few weeks, which is probably what I would expect, I think that there's time in theory for all these schools to reposition themselves for an Austin Novosad. So it becomes like a Devin Brown thing last year where he's committed to USC and then the writing's on the wall with, with Clay Helton and all that. And then everybody jumps in, right? You know, Ohio State, I think Ole Miss, I can't remember who else was in it, but it was kind of a long-standing: do I stick with the Trojans or look at this other group and then Within that group, who emerges, you know, to the top, and obviously that was Ohio State in the end. I would project that Austin would handle it somewhat similarly, you know, down the line, uh, as opposed to making, you know, bigger decisions now. Because, like you said, there is a possibility that others can jump in. So if he understands his own leverage, it probably behooves him to wait just a little bit. But recruiting's crazy, and it changes day to day, man. So you never know.
0: Right. I feel like we get news. Every single day that you know changes your perspective and view
1: of different things, and it, it really is kind of crazy to cover. That's what makes it fun. E- even in the month of June, where we used to never really talk about drama in in the industry, now we've got you know this official visit month feels like a December or a January where every school is trying to position themselves accordingly. So, yeah, it is it is a new day and age in recruiting for sure, and, and June is is becoming one of the most critical months of of that process. So no doubt Ohio State's going to stay in the thick of that conversation as always. For sure. Well, thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule this week to chat with me, John.
0: Always a pleasure, my friend. For SIL American Director of Recruiting, John Garcia, I'm Andrew Lind. As always, thanks for listening. I hope you'll join us again soon.